This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the Books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. My guest today is my friend, Mark Graney. Now, Mark is the author of quite a few books. You probably know him from the Gray Man series, which is coming to Netflix this summer as a major motion picture, which is just awesome. He's also authored three books with Tom Clancy and then four books after Tom Clancy's passing. He had an Audible original called Armored that came out in December, the hardcover of which hits shelves this summer as well. He's got a ton going on. He's got a huge heart, awesome guy, incredible writer, and uh, it was an honor to have him on. So without further ado, Mark Graney. I mean, you had a big year. I mean, you, you always have a big year. You've added some things to the Gray Man series. I mean, first you had mm-hmm. Gray Man, and then you're doing the Clancy stuff, and then you added Red Metal, and then now you have Armored and Sierra 6 coming out in the same year and a Netflix yeah. uh, movie coming out. So it's it's yeah. awesome. You have so much stuff going on. Um, but I want to talk to you about the beginning, like the early days. Uh, yeah. Writing the first book uh, and then finding an agent and getting it published. Um, cause I get those questions all the time about, Hey, sure. how do I find an agent? How do I find a publisher? All that sort of a thing. Yeah. I have an idea. Yeah. Uh, I have a story or whatever it might be. So what was your, your journey, which has now been, uh, over, over a decade since the, the first yeah. Man came out. Yeah. 12 years, I guess, since the first one. Um, I should start by saying that like the thing that's real important to me that people understand is like, I didn't know an agent. I didn't know a published author. I, as far as I know, I didn't know anybody that that was friends with it, with an author, like you you don't need all the connections to make it happen or anything like that. I mean, it, it it's nice, you know, if, if James Patterson was my next door neighbor and you know something <laughs> that probably would have been pretty handy, but uh, you know, it's all, it, it all matters in the book. And so it wasn't until my fourth completed novel that I had an agent agree to represent me. And he sent it out to uh, 10 publishers and nine of them turned it down. And one, uh, Got, picked it up as as a paperback release. It wasn't this thing everybody was talking about. I was fortunate that right before the book was published, um, it, it had interest in Hollywood and a couple of studios uh, bid on it and uh, New Re- Regency got it. So I'd quit my job because I'd agreed to write two more in the series. It wasn't quit your job money at all, at all. Yeah. <laughs> it was sort of like I was committed to to writing and I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. And um, it was pretty scary, but you know, the Hollywood stuff came through right before the book came out. And I'm like, all right, that gives me a little breathing space for a year or so. And, uh, and then things happened from there. But, you know, initially I went, I found my agent by just Googling, if it was even Google back then, I mean, it was 2006 or something, it's probably Google. And, uh, and, and just looking for an agent that represents uh, some authors that I like. And i I found this guy named Scott Miller and he was going to be at a writer's conference, which I, I highly recommend people go to writer's conferences if they want to get published. Um, that, that got me, you know, a lot further along than I would have gotten just sending emails to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went to a writer's conference and he read the first 20 pages of something I wrote and really, really liked it. But that wasn't the book that he agreed to represent. He did, he ended up not he, passing on that, passing on the next thing I gave him. And then I gave him the gray man and that's what we got out. So it was a long journey. But, you know, if you, if you enjoy doing it, like if you enjoy writing, um, 
you're you're definitely falling forward. You're definitely getting better with each each thing that looks like it might be a failure, but you're learning so much as, as you keep going. So if you like doing it, you know, you just stick with it and uh and good things will happen. What so why did um have you asked Scott Miller why he kept like he, he obviously saw promise in you because yeah. of something in those first three. Yeah. Um yeah. but uh but it because it seems like to me or it seems like to somebody from the outside that uh an agent would look at something once and either like it or not and either represent you yeah. or not. But in this case that wasn't how it was. He saw promise, but hey, this might not be the right thing to launch with, or maybe this isn't the, just exactly the right one, but you're, there's yeah. something here. Keep sending me things. Is that kind of yeah. how it was? That's exactly how it was. He, he, um, he, he really liked my writing sample. And then when I sort of told him the whole rest of the story, he was like, wow, that's really ambitious for someone who hasn't been published before. It was like a James Mishner. That's what he likened it to uh, type of a story. And he's like, you know, we need like an action thriller and you write action really well. And, you know, if your characters are great in this, so try something else for me. And I wrote a whole nother book and he looked at that and he's like, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. He's like, I really love your hero who was the gray man in this book. It was a book called Goon Squad. And uh, he's like, but I don't think the story's big enough for your character. And you did it in first person. I think third person would be better for this. And so it was, it was really good advice. It was probably a five minute conversation where he passed on me, but for the next nine months, those five minutes, everything that he said is what I was trying to execute on the page as I wrote the next book. And I mean, I literally wrote gray man for one guy for Scott Miller, my agent. And I was like, he wants action. I'm going to choke him to death with action. You know, he, he you wants big, big, big set pieces. I'm going to like, he's not going to be able to come back with these, you know, like little, quibbles or whatever. So, you know, I just shoved the kitchen sink in that story. And, and my editor was like, okay, we're going to dial it back just a little bit, you know, when it, before it was published, thank goodness. Um, but Scott saw that this was a book that could get published. And so he ran with me there and it, you know, it took three or four years to get there with him, but, uh, he's still my agent to this day. And my publisher, who, who the first guy that took a chance on me is still my publisher today. This is, CR6 is my 21st release and 19 of them have been with, with Tom Colgan as my editor. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Who, who did you, uh, who are you reading and, and flipping to the acknowledgements to find uh, Scott Miller? Like who had he represented people that wrote in the, this genre before? Or was he, does he represent yeah, people yeah. in a bunch of genres or how did, how did, cause he seems like he was really he, dialed in. Like he knew what he wanted. He knew what the market wanted. He knew that you had potential yeah. and gave you some fantastic advice. So what, what had he done up to that yeah. point? He represented uh, an author who I was obsessed with and, and still am named Ralph Peters, who mm -hmm. is not nearly as, as big as he should be. He was a Fox News uh, um, commentator for a while, and he's done, he, he writes articles, uh, former Army Lieutenant Colonel, or Colonel, I think, uh, as he retired. But he, he'd been putting books out since his early 30s. And, mm -hmm. um, and I just looked, I was like, who is Ralph Peters' agent? And that's who I'm going to go after. And I saw it with Scott Miller and, you know, it, that was sort of back in the, the internet days where you kind of had to look and snoop and find a website that, you know, it's like now you probably just pop up in, yeah. in one second. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's the guy I went for, but he, he, as an agent, he represents, he, he represented the dog whisperer, Caesar Milan's book. And he represented Snooky from Jersey shore. And um, he's represented all sorts of, you know, different people. And, um, but he likes these type of sort of action thrillers. So he was into that and he thought there would be a market for, 
you know, eventually for one of my books, he thought there would be a market for it. So that's why he took me on. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, Gray Man knocked out of the park. I, I love it. I recommend it to people all right. the time. Um, and uh, so, so that one, does he then take it and did he already know they have a relationship with Tom Colgan or how did he know who to kind of shop it to from, from there? Was he like waiting in the wings? Like, this is the one I've got our publisher right here. That's kind of looking for something like this and shoots it there. Or did he, or did he kind of spread it out and send it to a bunch of different places? Yeah. It, you know, there's a finite number of editors in New York that represent this type of stuff or, you know, like that publish this type of stuff. And so Scott knew all the names and people, I think, I'm I'm 95% sure that uh, he had not worked with Tom Colgan, my editor, previous to me. I think that was the first introduction. But he knew that what Tom, you know, other things that Tom did, he knew he knew that Tom Colgan was Tom Clancy's editor, and uh, so he went to him and he sent it out to other people. But you know, he sent it out to ten publishers because that there were probably. 10 publishers that, that, you know, might have, mm -hmm. you know, gone with it. And it, it's, it's fun because I've, I've run into these other publishers. I know some of them personally now that passed on me and they're like, Oh, I wish I didn't pass on you. But I mean, that's just life. You can't get, I'm not mad at it. I mean, like it made sense to them at the time, just like things I do make sense to me. And, and uh, you know, it, but it, but it is kind of nice that the people that did take a chance on me were rewarded, you know, with, with the success. So it's, it's, it's fun to, to, be on a ride with other people instead of just by yourself. Oh yeah. No, the team is amazing. It is something similar happened with, uh, the terminal list, a friend gave it to, uh, an executive at Amazon, um, mm -hmm. you know, who probably gets these things all the time. I mean, all the right. time, like your head of content right. for, for Amazon prime video, your people are like, you know, probably yeah. sending you things constantly. Um, and so it took, maybe he looked at it, maybe he didn't, but now that Amazon had to buy it after Chris bought it, he went back to my yeah. friend and was like, I remember that thing you sent me and we just had to yeah. pay a gazillion dollars for it from, uh, yeah. you know, just the way it happened. He's like, ah, and my friend's like, yeah, yeah. you should have listened to me. Uh, yeah. I always, <laughs> I, I always tell people if, you know, if, if they're discouraged about having people pass on them, I'm like, several publishers passed on jk rowling <laughs> so let's let's put it all into perspective you know they're not always right and uh you know i'm sure every one of those people is like you know she's generated more than the economy of most countries mm -hmm. <laughs> in her with her books and there's somebody that told her no thanks we're good yep. <laughs> so you know every, everybody's doing the best they can and and making those decisions but you know this the the, the market changes and and whatnot yeah, but I think there's, gosh, there's a, either a book or documentary that uh, talks about all the either books or movies that were passed on, like like huge yeah. ones, you know, like Star Wars or Jaws or Indiana Jones right. or whatever, ones that actors passed on. Like, I don't think that's quite yeah. right. And then it turns into this gigantic, you know, franchise. Um, yeah. I forget what that was, but it was, uh, it was probably some little documentary thing on on yeah. one, of the, one of the channels a, a while ago or something. And then- uh -huh. I mean, Tom Colgan is so awesome. I'm such a legend in the, in the industry. Such a, such a nice guy. Um, yeah. so do the three, like does your agent and, uh, and Tom Colgan and you, do you guys work together as far as, um, like, do you run ideas by them or do you just go like for this one, like for Sierra six, did you just write it and then submit it? Or did you like bounce some ideas off Tom or bounce some ideas off Scott and say, Hey, here's what I'm thinking of doing for the next one, especially because you've done some different things, even with these, these novels, like this one, the way you right. wrote this one, the last first person stuff. So you've, you've uh, tested some, some, some waters and, and explored things yeah. a little bit. Do you run that stuff by them or do you just go and then just submit? I am very insecure. <laughs> so I like to, I like to get, uh, I, I like to get, um, you know, like a little, 
nod of approval from Scott and from Tom. It's not, it's not all three of us talking to each other. I'll, I'll go to Scott with an idea or I'll go to Tom with an idea or even like a little synopsis. Mm. And, uh, and you know, it always works with this book, Sierra six, it's told in two different timelines mm. that are 12 years apart. And I was telling Tom, like, I, I, I kind of like the idea of an origin story, but you know, how do you make an origin story like fresh and, and, compelling because people know that your hero is, is alive in the present. So right. all this sort of things. But, you know, he said, gosh, if you if you put something in the present that related to something in the past, like some sort of blowback for an event in the in his origins um, in the present, and you work those two timelines together um, and did it <laughs> did it right, then that could be really good. And, and that's so I, I started with that idea, you know, like what's part origin story, part contemporary story mm -hmm. and thread them together and, you know, make, make one relevant to the other. And, um, and so it was actually a fun book to write in that regard. Uh, it was, I like doing things just slightly different each time. And that, and that was the first time I've done that dual timeline thing. Yeah, no, I love it. I thought about doing that for the second one for True Believer, mm -hmm. I think it was, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and didn't end up quite doing that. But I just had some flashbacks here and there. But um, yeah, uh, I love how you did how you did it. I love how you take these risks. And it, I mean, it's awesome. You're such an inspiration and an example to 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 Thank every you. writer out there, if me included, for Thank sure. Um, and did you write this one? Like, did you do uh, the past stuff and then the present stuff and then combine them? Or did you go, go along with, with an outline and have, okay, this one's going to be flashback. Now I'm going here or not flashback, but here's origin and here's this yeah. story. And then kind yeah. of go back and forth between the two of them. Or how did you end up doing that? I had, I had plans to write them one at a time and then thread them together. And I was just so confused by the, okay. you know, it's like, you know how it is, you get, yeah. you get deep into the story and it doesn't all make sense suddenly or not suddenly or like you, things you thought you would figure out on the day you know, don't come together. And so I had to kind of write them concurrently because I really wanted if when you, when you leave a, a chapter that takes place 12 years ago and you go in the present, I want there to be some kernel of, something in there that relates to the last chapter and and both storylines had to be equally as compelling because we've all read books where you know you finish one point of view and then you go into like another plot line you're like oh yeah i gotta read this for a while till i get back to the cool stuff mm -hmm. you know so it was super important for me and again i'm not real confident about these things there's a lot of indecision for months as i as i write and try little things out and um i, I tell people and you might know the same thing it's it's when, when my book is 98% done, it's a piece of crap <laughs> because it's like, there's still like a thousand things you have to change. And it's literally that last little bit. And maybe the first round of edits where you start to go like, Oh, this book is actually good. You know, it's like you work, work it out. But as long as there's little holes and little gaps and little logic, you know, pitfalls in the story, there's anything like that. I just hate the book. And I'm just like, this is a disaster. Um, but you know, I've done it 22 times and it, uh, I've always seemed to, you know, come out at the very end, but I, I really, I, my books are made in the last 5%. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a little, it must be with a lot of people. Um, but, uh, I mean, obviously you crush it, you crush it every time. So someone who's picking any of these up would not be able to, would not know unless you said that, that, uh, you know, as a yeah. sprint to the end, figuring these things out or solving problems right. that pop up that you didn't anticipate or that you only get once you read it back through from the beginning, uh, or maybe read it or ask a question about that sort of a thing. Um, yeah. I find that something similar in that hey, it's done. And my wife says, yeah. how, how, you know, how you know, are you almost done? Yeah, I'm almost there close. 
And she's like, you've been saying that for like three months. Like, yeah, like I know, me. like it's done, same but it's like me. not done, done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now yeah, she's yeah. starting to get it. <laughs> yeah. I can get into my head. It's like, wait, it, the way at this pace, I'll finish on Tuesday. And then Tuesday rolls around. And you're like, what was I thinking? You know, it's like yep. some Tuesday I'll finish. You yes. know, um, I'm always a little late with my, with my manuscripts, but the problem is, is like, I, I write two books a year. So if I'm, if I'm late with one, that means I'm late starting the next one. And it's, it's just a, uh, you know, just goes down the downhill from there. Oh man. So is it, has it been, was it always two a year or did you like, cause you have armored. We'll talk about, I want to ask you about that. You had uh, red yeah. metal, but for a few years you had two and then did you go to one for a couple of years and then back to two projects? Are you looking at it as projects I, or books or how, how are you looking at that? Uh, I look at it as books, although I did write an original audio play, which is the one thing that wasn't a book that I wrote. Um, there, there have been two releases a year, most years. Uh, a couple years, there was one release. And then the subsequent, the next year, there were three. I've had a couple where there oh, were wow. three releases. I did a little bit of ghostwriting, so my name is not oh, on the right. book. That's so right. I I had a book come out that didn't have my name on it, you know, a couple weeks away from a, a book that did. And I remember uh, one of the Tom Clancy books I wrote with Tom while he was still alive, I had my own book come out the same day that that book came out. The same out. day? The, the, the exact same day. We, I was competing with myself, I guess. Wow. And, and by the way, he won. Oh. He <laughs> slash me won. Well. The, the book with Tom Clancy's I mean, name on it uh, won that contest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it's Tom Clancy. Yeah, <laughs> and speaking exactly. of Tom, actually, before I ask you about Tom Clancy, um, it, uh, it, it surprises me that, so my publisher, editor, agent, they don't ask what I'm up to next, like, which is shocking mm -hmm. to me. I didn't know that going into this. Yeah. I thought like, especially, yeah. Hey, after the first one, they're going to want to sit down and they're going to want to say, Hey, right. where do you think, where are you thinking of taking this next? Cause we've now invested yeah. in you and then me yeah. tell them and then go, um, uh, I don't know if that really zero, right. there is zero input, zero suggestion, uh, nothing until I actually submit this, you know, 115, 130 word yeah. thing to them after a year of them essentially investing in me, which is yeah. shocking. I mean, I love it because I, because yeah. I, there, well, there are two things. So I love it. Um, because there, I have total creative control. And, uh, if I mess up, it is only on me. I have no one else to, to blame. Right. But the other side of that is like, uh, what if they hate it? Like what, if, I know. what, yeah. what if I turn this thing in? They're like, Oh, this is not, this is not up to par or this is not what the, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I always, I always sort of have that fear. So I do like to run it, but I, I run things by my editor in a general way. And he helps me with the pitfalls and things like that. And, and then we don't really even talk about the book unless I'll have, I, I, I remember I was in Alexandria, Virginia once it was back when I was writing Clancy and I was so lost in my own story. I just called Tom from a coffee shop and like, can you just talk me through off the ledge here? And, and in a half an hour, we got everything worked out. Um, but Tom actually has plot ideas. Mm -hmm. He has, you know, like it, it's, it's the whole gamut. He doesn't need, need it from me. Like yeah, I, I don't have to give him a synopsis yeah. or tell him what's going on um, at this stage of the game. But I like that back and forth at the beginning. And then he also, you know how it is also because they want to do cover art before you finish the book, or at least in my case, the cover art right. is before I, sometimes I even started the book. Which is great. And um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I was really happy with that cover. Yeah. Um, and you know, they, they have to write flat copy or, mm -hmm. or promotional copy and stuff like that really early. So, you know, I've had books where it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to set it in uh, Kuala Lumpur 
And then they, they, they send me the suggested copy for the promotional stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, I changed that to Las Vegas or something. <laughs> uh-huh. you know? yep. And I have to go back to, I was like, oh, I forgot I told you that I was going to do that because I was in the early stages. But yep. yeah, it's, um, yeah, just, just writing the book and then six months later, handing it to them to see if they like it. It sounds a little daunting to me, but I mean, it's great. They have the confidence in you and it's great. You have the confidence in yourself um, to, to bang it out. And you know, if they didn't, if there was something that they weren't happy with, it would be a, you know, a trifle <laughs> compared to like, no, they're not going to make you write another book. They're basically yeah, going to I don't know. Like, I, I asked they, Emily recently. I'm like, Hey, what happens when someone submits you something and they, uh, and, and you don't like it or you're like, this is not going to work. And she said, yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a tough conversation to have, but uh, <laughs> I, <bet. laughs> like, I oh know I mean, after a full year, yeah. essentially like, Oh yeah. geez, but yeah. there'd probably be clues along the way. I would think. Cause once again, yeah, I have to give that flap copy type stuff. I have to give the art people like, where is this thing even right. going to be, uh, set? Exactly. and so I, you know, write kind of that stuff out and I send it in, which also gets me thinking also like, Oh, they're asking yeah. I better. I better figure out where I'm going to finish this thing exactly. up or whatever else. So it all yeah. kind of, it all kind of helps and feeds. So I guess they have little clues along the way from that sort of thing. It's not like an approval yeah. process, but I guess they have clues from, from those sorts of things. But there's, uh, there's nothing more, there's nothing more motivational than seeing your book for sale on Amazon that you haven't written the first word of. And I, and that's happened to me several times. You that know? is so great. And I'm like, hear. wow, that looked, <laughs> that looks like a great book. I hope nobody opens it up because it's going to have blank pages in it until, until I do it. Seriously. That, that's great to hear that. Uh, I mean, but how could that not be the case with all you have going on? I mean, you, got, you have so much going on. It's, it's fantastic. But um, yeah. so with Tom Clancy, so the connection to starting those was Tom Colgan. So correct. We had Tom, the same editor and, yeah. and, and it's funny. I never really talked to, to Tom Colgan about Clancy. I was a massive Clancy fan. He was the first thriller I ever bought in my life was, was one of his Patriot games. But Scott Miller, my agent, knew it. And I may have told Tom once that I liked Clancy, but it wasn't like, hey, you represent Clancy. Let me, you know, let's let's right. talk about him. It was just literally he needed a co-author and and Tom thought of me and went to Scott and and you know went from there. That's amazing. So um yeah. so is Tom Clancy at his stage, I guess, after writing all his books, which were obviously very thick. And then he had nonfiction stuff, uh, uh, mm-hmm. carrier and submarine and, you know, all that stuff, mm-hmm. shadow warriors, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, and he had video games. I think there's a board game, pre-video game. If I'm, if I remember. Yeah, um, probably he, yeah. He had all these things and the movies going on, like he had all that stuff. So was he just at a stage where he was like, Hey, you know, it might be helpful to have somebody younger come in here and work on a couple of things together. Like what was, yeah. did you ever ask him about that? Or was it, what was your sense as far as that stuff, like we got, I never asked him about it, but that, that's exactly my sense. You know, there are just a lot of irons in the fire. Um, you know, the people love the Jack Ryan novels, especially at Christmas. And then they started doing a, a summer release as well. And, you know, it was just, it was too much for one person. Um, I was, a, I was a massive Clancy fan, as I just said, my dad was a massive Clancy fan and, uh, it was really, you know, when, when it was brought up to me, you know, first thing I thought was like, why, you know, this is the first time I've ever co-authored with somebody. It's like, why does it have to be Tom Clancy? Why can't I get somebody <laughs> like one, one rung up the ladder from yeah. where I am? You know, it's like, why, why am I up here in the stars? Um, like, I'm not ready for this. But then I also knew my agent would literally fly to Memphis and beat me to death. If, if, if I said, no, I don't think I want to write a book with Tom Clancy at that yeah. stage of my career, that would be, that would be insanity. But I, <laughs> I, I had complete confidence that I knew all the characters and I knew their relationships and I knew how they talk. Um, I, I never wanted to write, like even after Tom passed away, I never wanted to write sounding like Tom Clancy because that's, I guess, disrespectful. I don't think I could pull it off, you know, and, and it's really 
I did not what I saw my mission as. And, and I've talked to other guys that have written the Clancy book since me, Don Bentley and Mark Cameron and Mike Madden and uh, Grant Blackwood, who did it before me as well. And we all sort of agree. It's like it's it's our chance to use these amazing chess pieces that we've known about for such a long time and put them in a contemporary thing. Tom's not around anymore, sadly. So, you know, he, he's not going to give you his view on what's happening in Russia and Ukraine or in North Korea these days or something like that. Um, but his characters, we'd love to see his characters, you know, yeah. do that. And so that's, that's why you pick up the mantle and, and do it. And, uh, you know, I was, I was happy for that chance. Five years ago is when I finished my last Clancy book. And I look back five years ago and like, did that really happen? That was crazy. I wrote books with Tom Clancy. Like, it still feels a little bit unreal. Yeah, no, it's, it's wild. And did you know when you flew back there to sit down with him uh, for that first one, was it like a job interview or did you already, was it already locked in? Was Tom like Tom Colgan, like, Hey, Tom Clancy, this yeah. is our, this is our guy. Was it already like locked in or was it kind of like a test? Do you think? Well, that's funny. You say that I've never really thought about it in those terms. It was locked in, but it was, it, it was, it was a breakable moment. I don't know <laughs> if it was a makeable moment, but, but uh, no, it was really funny. I, I sort of wish I had cameras on me the whole time for that because, you know, Clancy has obviously a big uh, group around him. And I don't want to say entourage because they're not like walking down the street. But at the same time, you know, like managers and, and you know, artistic people and agents and whatnot. And then my editor and we were, they all sort of set up this meeting between Tom and I at his at his home in Baltimore. And. I was terrified. I was really scared. Like I would not be scared now. Um, but back then I was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe I have to like, you know, go kiss the ring or whatever I have to do. And they really, you know, it was set up as like a 30, 45 minute meet and greet just to like sign off and, you know, just be like, all right, cool. These guys can work together. And I was there in his house for four or five hours. We were talking, we had lunch had lunch with his wife and all this. And then as soon as I left, I had to go get on a plane. Otherwise, I, you know, would have probably stayed all night. Um, I, I checked my phone and I had like 35 messages from every one of these people in the world going like, what's going on? What's going on? And they were all it was sort of like no one expected it to be this like confab the way it was. And uh, everybody was like terrified, like what's happening? It's like the Mark runaway. <laughs> so it was it was cool to be able to text people back going, oh, it was fantastic. I enjoyed meeting him and everything. So yeah. it was. Yeah, I don't I don't. It was it was a done deal more or less, but I, I, he could have undone that deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't like me, right? <laughs> Very quickly. You know, and I've never asked you you this, and obviously we're we're friends. To anybody who, who's listening, we know each other, but uh, I've never asked yeah. you. In my mind, I have this thing set up like a movie scene uh, of you going in and these like huge, gigantic like oak doors or something like that, and like some one of them opening and letting you in, and you going in and having this huge wooden desk in front of you, books everywhere, nautical things and models, and him yeah. behind with you know the the cap on and the whole thing yeah. and the glasses, yeah. and uh, and then you sitting down in this chair. You guys, that's how I pictured it in my head. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. sound like it's it was at all like that. Yeah, you're setting me up for like a really embarrassing story that now I have to tell. Um, <laughs> when I, I, I asked Tom Colgan, I was like, you know, I'd like to bring a gift. To, you're going to somebody's house for the first time. He said, just get flowers for his wife because his wife will answer the door, let you in, you give her the flowers, and then they'll walk you into where Clancy's office is because Tom Colgan had been there a million times with, the, with other people from Penguin. And um, so I was like, okay, so I've, I've got some really nice flowers. 
and I went up to his penthouse uh, and the door was opened by a, um, an assistant or a housekeeper. And she's like, hi, how are you? And she's like, follow me. So, you know, we're walking clearly into the kitchen so I can meet Alex, his wife. And she opens the door and I walk in and I'm standing in Clancy's office, which is exactly as you <laughs> described it, honestly, with the wood panel and the books everywhere, the nautical stuff, all the caps from all that. And he was sitting at his desk in front of his computer and he looked up over at me and he's like, you brought me flowers because <laughs> I was standing there with this big bouquet and I was like, uh, I was told this is going to be different. And so, yeah, I actually sat down with the flowers on my knee in front of his desk and we talked for a minute and he was like looking around the flowers. He's like, let me get those. Like he was just exasperated, but it was funny. Like we had a, his wife showed up a few minutes later. She went to, to get us lunch and, uh, and he, they were both laughing about, you know, me going into his office with the big bouquet the flowers. That's but, yeah, hilarious. That, that was not the best uh, intro, but it worked out. Oh my gosh, I love it! And yeah, uh, and that did you know before that first meeting, kind of the the direction that the book was going to take? Did you have a an outline or a synopsis or an area of the world or a theme or anything like that? Or yes, yeah. It, we th these books are done on a very short timeline, and I was committed mm -hmm. to write another writing another book that year as well. So it was. I, I remember asking Tom. I was like, "Let's say I get this job." you know, when will the book be due? And I, I think he said like, uh, probably July. I was like, July of, of the year we're in right now. Cause it's like March, you know, or, wow. or February, it's February. He's like, yeah. And so there was kind of, I was in the running. Like I, it was not a sure thing. It wasn't like, it was my job if I wanted it. Was, they were, they were trying to find if I was interested. Mm -hmm. So I kind of saw the clock ticking and I was like, I know how writing works well enough to know the due date's not going to change no matter how much time I have to write it. If I get this book deal the day before it's due, they're going to expect the book due tomorrow. So I said, all right, I, I don't want to waste time. I wrote with no one asking me to like a 25 or 30 page um, segment, like a chapter out of a Tom Clancy book that doesn't even exist, you know, no beginning or, or mm -hmm. end or anything. I just wrote this scene that took place in the Place de la Concorde in Paris and it had Chavez and Clark, you know, like it sort of had everybody yeah. represented. And I just banged that out in a couple of days and I sent it to my agent. And I was like, what if I sent them that as sort of like, hey, I don't know about the other guys that are in the running or women, I, but I'm here's my tryout. Mm -hmm. So I, we turned that into them. And then that, that's when they agreed. And then, uh, so we did talk a little bit about the book and then I went up to meet, meet Clancy. Okay. And then for the other one, same, same type of deal. Did you have a, uh, an idea, did it come from Tom or come like through Tom Colgan or did you come up with it and say, yeah. Hey, here's what, this is what I'm thinking. And kind of like a proposal or how did the other ones uh, flesh? Out? Yeah, it was, it, it was a balance, you know, back at the time they were very much like, listen, you know, th these are Tom Clancy books. You're helping out on them. And, you know, you don't walk around and talking about what, what you came up with and yeah, what yeah. he came up with. And, you know, you just, it, the book is I mean, more process wise, at, more, more process yeah, wise yeah. in general. Yeah. So it was, the, the ideas came from all over, including Tom Colgan. And yeah. th there was a, one of the Clancy books after uh, Tom passed away, Tom Clancy passed away yeah. where I didn't, I wasn't going to do another one. And Tom Colgan's like, well, okay. Uh, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm just so I've done so much and I'm, I'm afraid to go back and do another. Cause it's like, a, you know, it's like, let's quit while we're ahead and everything. And he said, okay, that's fine. But if you did do another one, what would it be about? And I was like, you know, it's been fascinated about the office of professional uh, personal management that was, you know, that got hacked by the Chinese. And like, what if that was weaponized with like social media? And I was, and, and then like five minutes into talking about this book that I had no interest in writing, I was like, damn it. I see what you just did there. You got me <laughs> excited about this thing that I'd already like passed on. 
So like literally in this conversation, we were down in New Orleans uh, at DodgerCon, a writer's conference, and uh, it, like at lunch. And then like halfway through lunch, I was like, you just tricked me into <laughs> working on another book for a whole nother year. And uh, four more, yeah, right? So he, yeah, yeah, I ended up doing four more. And so um, he, yeah, it was, it was completely, that was my idea, but like he would feed me ideas and I would bounce back and, you know, enjoy that part of the process. Yeah. So like 15 minutes out later after saying, no, thanks. I'm, I, I can't do another one. I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to write this book. Oh, yeah. It's so wild. Yeah. Four of them. And those are like, yeah. The three books in one for people that are listening or have seen yeah. a Tom Clancy book on a yeah. shelf, not in uh, audible form yeah. or looking at the, uh, at, at how many hours uh, a narrator takes to, to read right. these things. Oh, I mean, it's a yeah. long time. And did, did he pass on any advice to you or has Tom Colgan passed on any advice to you um, from Tom Clancy, just about whether it's about process or about creativity or about the business side of it or anything like that? Is there anything that you took from that experience, both with Tom alive and then after he, he passed away or through Tom Colgan um, that you've incorporated into what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. I see the first three books, uh, Gray Man novels that I wrote, um, which were all written before I started working in the in the Clancy world, and then Dead Eye, which was book four, and the subsequent book. I see that almost as two different periods of my life because once I was working with Tom, um, my own books became a lot richer. I'm super proud of my first three books there, but I I will say Gray Man is kind of like Die Hard in in that it like all takes place in a very short period. It's not. You know, it gives you the background you need to root for the characters, but, it, you know, it's not like delving into the deep history of, of each character. And um, it's not a huge geopolitical story at all. It's, you know, it's it's a first person shooter mm -hmm. <laughs> sort of. And, and that's not dissing my own work. Like, I'm super proud of it, but it was that kind of a book. Um, Die Hard's a great movie. Lethal Weapon's a great movie, but they're just like, you know, super visceral. And then as, as time went on, I wanted to have all the same action, but I also wanted to have more intrigue mm -hmm. and more uh, 30,000 foot level yeah. view of what's happening. It's, it's more geopolitical. And that, that's all stuff that I learned from Tom. And just, you know, like I, I think it was kind of phrased like you can go wide and deep as, as opposed to wide or deep. You know, you, you could tell a broad story very shallowly or, mm -hmm. or a, a narrow story very deeply, but you know, with a Clancy novel, you have the space to write a 200,000 word book and you can sort of have all those elements in there. And that became the type of writer that I am. So my Rayman books, the, the new one, CR6 is, is uh, 165,000 and there's two timelines. So it's basically two 80,000 word thriller novels interwoven into one. And, you know, that, that all came from Tom. I mean, I, I, I've got to give him so much credit. Oh, no, that's, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, Gray Man is, is awesome, but you also did something that I, did as well. And I thought about it. I thought about you as I was doing it. Um, because I'm like, ah, I wonder if Mark did this intentionally or unintentionally, um, in that you write about, uh, you give a hint about something that happened that really propels and was a formative moment in court Gentry's life, of course, in gray man, mm -hmm. but you don't really say what it was until not even the second. I mean, you're like, you, 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 yeah. you threw that book, out a little bit. Book five, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. And at book five, I was like, this is as far as exactly. I can draw it out. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I'd have a five book series. I didn't know I ever had to come up with an answer, uh -huh. but I, I didn't, I didn't have the answer in book one. I just, I had the character and I knew that, you know, the agency that he loved was trying to kill him, uh, which is in the first book. And he doesn't know why they're trying to kill yep. him. Well, neither did the author know why <laughs> they were trying to kill him. I just wanted to make there to be this big conspiracy. And then so five books in, you're like, okay, you know, I'm glad I waited five books because mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have been able to tell that story 
as richly, mm-hmm. you know, before I was writing with Clancy. So it, it worked out, but then you, then you come up with new, like longer story arcs, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you being as many books in as you are that you have your, your story arc within your novel and then just the, the longer thing. And yeah. you've got to keep each novel as standalone. So you have to, you know, be, be willing to introduce everybody again in each book in, in the most economical way you can, but you want to reward those people that have been with you since terminal list and, mm-hmm. and all the way through and say, yeah, there's, there's a bigger story at play here. And, and, you know, you can, you can enjoy that as well. So that's a fun little balance. Yeah, no, it is fun. And, uh, yeah, this, this last one I have, I have a letter that I didn't quite explain at the end of the third one hinted about uh-huh. it in four again. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, I don't want to say too much about five cause five comes out here in May. Uh, but then six, yeah. there can be some more things tied. There's some things that are tied up here in the fifth one that comes out in May, but then there's also, there's a little bit left over, uh, that I'm going to wrap yeah. up in six. Um, and then I yeah. think most of the kind of the, the outliers from the first few novels, will all have been tied up by the end of the sixth one, I think. Yeah. yeah. And that's fun to read. I like, I like reading books like that where, you know, the, the character isn't, they have a history on, mm-hmm. on page one and then they have, uh, you know, some mystery, you know, even at the end of the story. Yep. And I, I think that's a great way to do a series. Yeah. I think there's, that's the art part of it. You know, there's uh uh, mm-hmm. when people ask me about writing, like your stories all have heart, you know, that's what makes these things stand out. Yeah. Like there are thousands of novels yeah. out there, thousands of in the, in the genre, but the ones that, yeah. that rise to the top, there's that intangible and there's that, it's, there's that heart to them. And yours all, all have that. And I, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, but I love Thank that too. You. I love doing the, like the action. And then I think I'm going back and forth, not really intentionally, but it's one of those things that I, that I, that I mean, I do think about, Hey, is this one going to be a big geopolitical type or is this one mm-hmm. intensely personal or is this one going to be right. a mixture? Like uh, those are kind of, yeah. and maybe I'm going to hop around a little bit between those, those three. And this one's going to be yeah. all intensely personal. And this one's going to be right. hey, more save the world type stuff. And this one's going to be a little bit yeah. in between there and have elements of both. But I love that. That's the art part of it. Also figuring out, like you said, the kind of, you want the people that trusted us with their time going through this thing to have enough resolution by the end that they're like, yes. But then also right. that one little bit that lets you, lets them say, man, I cannot wait until the next novel. Uh, yeah. so that's the art part of it is like enough resolution where, uh, where you didn't just leave them come totally hanging, but also like, yeah. Oh man, I wonder what's going to happen, happen next. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I, I like to explain it that like, I don't leave a cliffhanger at the end of the story. I wrap up that story and then give you this big boom as, as, as the outro, like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. You know, it's like, I can't believe things just got, you know, more dicey. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's something that might lead into the next book, but it's just, I, I, I don't always love happy endings in novels. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, yeah. you, you love them and you don't. And so like a lot of my endings are sort of melancholy and it's more real world that things don't always work out the way the hero wants them to. Sometimes my hero wants things or, or does things that I know the readers will probably like disagree with him on. And I'm, and I'm actually fine with that. I think there, I wrote this book, Gunmetal Gray. Mm-hmm. It was a gray man novel. And he, he has this, personal moral code that says that he has to help this person do this thing. And I think a lot of readers would be like, no, dude, just, just give them to the CIA and let them debrief them or, you know, let, let them interrogate them. And, and that's the way to do it. But that's not what he wanted to do. And yeah. I, did, I didn't think it was right for him. So it's not even always about giving the readers exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. I, I think what they want is me to 
you know, write what I think is the most compelling, entertaining book and then just keep doing that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, I, it's always, I always say it's fun when the book is completely done and it mm-hmm. looks like this, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's a part, there's a part in the process where you're like, what, I'm, what was I thinking when I, when I got 50,000 words into this thing, but, um, you know, we're at the stage now that th- this book is done. So I can tell you how great it was. It's, it's next year's book that is, uh, is the train wreck at the moment. Well, and, and while you have all these things going on, which uh, leads me to yeah. was diversification uh, through these different things with, uh, with red metal, which is a, a standalone with, uh, with armor. That's a standalone that came out of audible first and then comes out this summer in, in hardcover. Uh, the gray man series being so successful, standing on its own with a recurring character, the things that you did with Tom Clancy. So you've slowly been like, diversifying uh over the years and with red metal and with armored um you know diversifying um outside anything tom clancy universe wise and outside your own gray man series which is which is incredible um was that intentional or was it just like hey i'm interested in maybe trying a couple other things or uh i have all this time on my hands uh, which i know is not the case (laughs) uh like so how did that uh, how did that come about like specifically maybe uh, maybe armored or, or the diversification in general yeah, so different different answers to different ones. Red Metal, which was a novel that I co-authored with a then active duty Marine Lieutenant Colonel, that wasn't anything I'd planned on doing. I just met this guy at the Pentagon when I was researching a Clancy book, and he was a writer, and he and I just became friends. We didn't become friends for any objective other than like, yeah, he's a good dude and he's fun to talk to. And just over a few years, like we started going back and forth about what a, a war in Europe would be. Like we both loved Red Storm Rising, um, you know, we were came up with that with that book, and um, and so there was just this day where I was like, listen, we we talk about this all the time. We can we could write a novel. I can go out and get us a book deal for this, and that's what we did. It wasn't anything predetermined, but in my head, I always thought that I could write a military thriller, even though I never served in the military like Tom Clancy, um, because I really loved the, that genre. And for Armor. I had this idea. I wanted to write a screenplay and I had this cool story about uh, private military contractors and American guys in Mexico. And I had this idea for a story. I tried to write it as a screenplay and it was a disaster. It was like 200 pages long and halfway done. And, you know, it didn't look anything like a screenplay, but Audible came to me and they said, we want to do an action like audio drama with sound effects and actors and all that. Do you have any ideas? And I was like, well, let me give you this thing. Read it. And if you like it, I can tell that story in an, as, a, as an audio play. And they liked it. So that took years to do because it was actually, it's a hard genre to write, to make everything a sound cue or, mm. or you know, everything done in the dialogue. Uh, but it was fun and I was glad to, to tell the story and I ended up writing a novel, uh, you know, basically the same story, but mm. more fleshed out that's coming out in July. So it, it, it's not a plan to be diverse. It's just, uh, you know, the, you get these ideas in your head and you think, God, oh, it's going to be five years before I can do the next thing because I'm committed to writing six books in the next three years. But it, it stays there in your head and it kind of like yeah. germinates and gets a little bit bigger. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have a career where I can, you know, go to my editor and say, like, I have this idea. What do you think about it? Yeah. And um, take advantage of it whenever I can. Although I'm super busy a lot. You're right. Yeah, you got a lot going on. And uh, so I have a strategic yeah. plan and I just went over it with my agent last week. Um, just uh, 
thinking about just my, my background growing up and being just, just reading mm-hmm. and reading all the Clancy stuff, seeing what he did, seeing yeah. how things have morphed over time, the rise of uh, audiobooks, almost the fastest growing segment in publishing, uh, the, the, yeah. the work I did on these scripts for the terminal list, everything that I learned as an executive producer, advising on these scripts, being on set there. Um, so I've just, this year was very busy. Um, so I kind of took a breath uh, after the holidays, after I finished book five. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, I need to have, get all these ideas in one place. I need to put them down. I need to prioritize yeah. them uh, because I can't do yeah. everything at once since I'm only one person. Uh, but, uh, but even after this call, like I, I, the screenwriting thing was so fascinating because I had no background in it, obviously, other than mm-hmm. as a fan of reading yeah. and then seeing things that are adapted to, to screen. Um, so you yeah, have a call. Uh, so Michael Babe got armored, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. one of his contemporaries yeah. has been reaching out. We've been talking for the last few months on some separate ideas. And uh, we have another mm-hmm. call here uh, this afternoon. Uh, but once again, awesome. I've been finishing up book five. And what we talked about on our last call was, uh, hey, let's do this. And he's like, well, next time we talk, you know, just let me know what you think. That's it. Yeah. So I've been pretty busy. Yeah. And then he called, texted yesterday. He's like, got time to talk? And I was like, Yes. And I'm like, oh boy. And I just put the phone down and I just, went, yeah. just wrote it out. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty dang good. Right. <laughs> I told yeah. my wife, I'm like, yeah. I'm so sorry that I work better under pressure. <laughs> She's like, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just yeah. insanity. Totally, total insanity. Um, yeah, the, the, same, the same thing happened to me with Armored with uh, the audio play. Like they, they asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, I'm never going to finish the screenplay unless somebody is making me finish mm. it or, or, you know, never, I'm never going to flesh the story out yeah. unless there's a deadline for it. So that right, that writing under pressure was exactly the reason I did it. I was like, yeah, well, sign me up to have you guys hassling me to turn it in because otherwise it's going to just be one of these 50 million ideas you have. So, um, yeah, I mean, pressure you hate it when it's happening, but you look back and you say, wow, that, that really helped me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish it wasn't the case, uh, cause sleeping, yeah, eating right and exercising totally yeah. fell off, uh, got prioritized at the bottom of my list over the last three yeah. years, but, uh, eventually I'll yeah. take a breath and get back to those things. But, uh, have you ever yeah. came up with an idea that uh, you, you floated by Tom or, or Scott that they were just like, no, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can, I'm sure it's happened more than once, but I just remember I had kind of a, a medical thriller idea for, mm. uh, for Scott. And this is like before gray man came out, but I was, you know, I'd given him a couple books already and he was just like, yeah, no, 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 no. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, I'm dubious. It was more like, mm, no, no don't do that. Uh, <laughs> well, that's so, good. I guess it saves time. It saves you a lot of time. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, it, you, in this business, you, have to have a thick skin and a thin skin if you know what i mean it's it's like you have to be receptive to to criticism and also push it away like everything's a balance right you know and if if it, there's so much advice you get out there it's like oh just be confident be confident i'm like mm, i i've met people that confidence is not their problem i mean there's people that definitely need to be more confident and they get more done but there's some people it's like yeah confidence is not <laughs> their issue their issue is the hard work or the discipline or this or that so um, you know, it's, it's a balance for yeah. like anything else, I guess. And, and speaking of that, people ask me about my process all the time. So for those that are listening to this, that are, uh, aspiring, uh, authors or that are, that are writers that are trying to juggle a, maybe a family or another job or, or something like that. Um, what, what's your process now and how's it evolved from the beginning when you, like you quit that, quit that job and you went 
all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I went all in at the beginning as well. I knew what I wanted to do and I'm, yeah. boom, I'm in it. Uh, you did the same, the yeah. same thing. Um, what do you, yeah. what do you, what, how's your process changed over time from coming up with that idea to maybe thinking through some, uh, characters and plot and locations and, uh, what does that look like over time? How's that, that shifted? Uh, you know, back in when I wrote Gray Man and the books previous that, that, that were not published, when I wrote Gray Man, it was at Starbucks between 5.30 and 7.30 in the morning, Monday through Friday, on, you know, before work. And, um, and I did it in six months. I mean, you, you work two hours a day, five days a week, and you will generate something pretty quick. I'm sure I worked on some weekends, but, you know, I was so into it because success uh, or, you know, like progress, like spurs you on for more progress. And so that's how I did it. I mean, now I, I start with a blank page and, you know, I, I have some like general macro idea about a story. And it's like uh, the Sultan of Brunei's son wants to overthrow his father, but a Swiss bank isn't, uh, you know, like doesn't want to lose the billions. The father's hidden there. Go, you know, right. <laughs> and it's like you start out with 15 words and, you know, you've got to get 150,000. And so you just kind of flesh things out. I'm, I'm working on my next book, next year's Gray Man book. And I have pages of like, not as an outline, but just like little ideas mm-hmm. that I don't want to forget about. And I think can kind of work together, but I don't have that like great through line of mm-hmm. the, of the story where I want it yet, but I've got enough stuff and I have, a, I have an, you know, an opening probably a hundred pages, you know, I know exactly what I want. And I'm, and I've just told myself, you know what, you just need to be writing. And when you get there, you'll, you'll come up with some ideas. So it's kind of that the process is, you know, are you a pantser or a plotter, uh, you know, do you write by the seat of your pants or do you plot your stories? And it, it's always been a combination yeah. for me, but this one, it's like, I've, I don't have a plot. I, I have everything else, which seems <laughs> weird, but it, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to find that big piece that's going to connect all the, all the puzzle pieces together that, that I've come up with. So, yeah. you know, I'm just, just writing it and then see what happens. Love it. I love it. And now that you've been in this for a while now, over a decade, 12 years, uh, plus the work that you put in before on those earlier novels. What do you, what have you seen change in publishing over that, that, uh, cause there's been a lot of changes, obviously, technologically, just yeah. in our society yeah. in general, but, uh, what have you seen as far as in the, the industry of publishing? Uh, what have you seen change over your decade plus now being immersed in this? Yeah. You know, that's such a tough question. Cause I get asked that sometimes, mm-hmm. And you you feel very insulated because you're in your world. But I have people all the time ask me about like you know ad- advice that I probably had better advice for before I was published because then I knew how to look for an agent and all that other stuff. And you know it's like now, I haven't looked for an agent since 2007. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's like how has that changed? I don't know. Obviously, technology has changed. I mean, I you know the ebook. It, I remember when I started, they were like, you know, hardbacks are probably just not even going to exist at some point. And uh, that is completely leveled off. Right. You know, I thought I'd probably do six, 60% ebook, 40%, um, mm. you know, print. And that's consistent over the last several books, I guess. And so that was a, that was a thing 10 years ago, they mm. thought was, you know, it was just a landslide going in one direction. Audiobook, as you said earlier, is uh, audio is has just become a bigger and bigger segment. I listen to audiobooks all the time. Mm-hmm. I read I read print uh, when I can. I read Kindle when I need to, and and uh, I I love listening to audiobooks when I work out or when I walk my dog. Um, and I 
you know, I, I love that medium too. What, what I tell myself and, you know, I think you're saying you have all these other ideas and talking to, to screenwriters and whatnot. It's like, I'm a storyteller, whether that is novel form or whatever form doesn't really matter. And so as the industry, industry obviously is changing and few, you know, there's so many other things grabbing at people's time other than just reading printed books, unfortunately, although printed books are doing pretty well. And, and I know bookstores that are doing great. Um, but at the same time, look at uh, Netflix or, or any you know, streaming, all the content that is needed now. It's like stories aren't going anywhere. Um, books aren't going anywhere. But I mean, books, you know, like Tom Clancy probably sold more books in, you know, 1985 than he did in, you know, 2013. Yeah. That's just the nature of technology right. coming along. But I mean, stories aren't going anywhere. They're they're clamoring for stories uh, in, uh, you know, TV, yeah. streaming, film, um, audio, yeah. you know, the audio play that I did. You know, there's, there's, if we're storytellers, then we will adapt no matter what. And you just have to be able to tell a story and then just, you know, converting it to, you know, screenplay was hard for me because, you know, when you're a guy that writes 200,000 word books, it's hard to write 120 page uh, screenplay, which is probably like 20,000 words or something. Um, but I'll probably take another crack at it at some point because it's actually rewarding too. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. I learned so much from working with the, the guys on the terminal list. It was it was amazing, especially the yeah. showrunner David Gilio is amazing. Antoine Fuqua, director, incredible. Um, but yeah, stories have been yeah. around since the beginning of time, around the fire, passing on lessons yeah. from, from the hunt and from battle, and passing those lessons on to the next exactly. generation. Passing on lessons learned. So, uh, but it is kind of like yeah. the wild west out there a little bit now. With uh, that's what I, that's what I'm sensing anyway as I look at the battle space and uh, I'm like, wow, okay, look at Netflix, look at Amazon Prime. Look Look at Audible. Look at what yeah. people are doing. Look at podcasts. Look at all. it's like there's there's so many yeah. things out there that uh, that aren't just uh, if this then that like it might have been in 1975 or 1985 or even 1995. Right. Um, like right. And you just said podcasts. I mean, I, I I just missed that. But I mean, yeah, the podcasts are huge, and I listen to podcasts while I'm working out and stuff. And um, that's another. It can be another type of storytelling. Yeah. And there's been some original storytelling, you know, drama podcasts yeah. that are. Uh, that are so good. Have you, did you ever see, uh, or did you ever, they actually made a film out of it, but the, the podcast, I think it was called homecoming. Um, it, it was fantastic. It was about, uh, down right now. I, I don't like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Listen to just make yourself listen to like the first three minutes of that. And you'll just want to hear the whole thing. And it's, it's a podcast. It had a couple of uh, well-known actors in it. Catherine Keener, 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 I think is her, how her name's pronounced David Schwimmer. And, but it's a really good, it's, it's a thriller podcast oh, nice. all done via audio but, oh yeah it's called homecoming it's really really good i want to check that out definitely gonna check that out yeah yeah and i think you should speaking yeah. of the wild west you're so gray man was optioned before it even came out so is so is terminalist mm -hmm. and now it is coming yeah. to netflix this summer like that is yeah. awesome so essentially you have I think I read, I think you can go online and find out the budget. It's very large. Um, like this com a, a commercial, a very expensive commercial uh, for the Gray Man series, yeah. which will be awesome, which should open, you know, the new audience uh, for, for the novels, which is, which is great. Uh, but uh, yeah, what did, uh, I guess, what, what's, what's that like? And what was, uh, what was your involvement for those, for those listening? Um, and uh, yeah, how do you, are you just compartmentalizing that as its own, its own thing and just getting to work on the things that you're doing now? Or how are you thinking uh, that one of you, that your creation is now coming out as one of the biggest movies of the summer? Yeah. I mean, it's still surreal. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's just kind of like this thing that you wanted is actually happening and that doesn't always happen in life. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, 
you know, and, and people say like, oh my gosh, your thing, your thing was in Hollywood for 13 years before they made it, you know, isn't that frustrating? And you're like, no, I mean, if it was 34 years before they made it, if they ever made it, yeah. you know, um, you're, you're, I'm a glasses half full kind of guy overall. And, um, and I'm really happy about it. And as you said, it's a commercial for the books and, and, you know, that there's slight changes with the story that I wrote and, but they were changes made by fabulous directors and fabulous writers. And I think they're good. They're really good changes. And um, a lot of it in the, in the script is uh, geared towards a longer story arc because they want to make a franchise of films. So they're introducing characters that really don't come in my series till book five, Mm. because book four is very self-contained. But I am, I am staying very compartmentalized about it. My wife jokes about how like, or, you know, kind of marvels it that we don't talk about it all that much. It's a, um, you know, it's, it's part of our life that we don't, you know, that doesn't even come up, you know, a lot of the time. And then she's like, yeah. And then I realized, oh my gosh, that thing's happening. You know, that's so yeah. weird. Uh, we just saw some first clips from the the film the other day. So that was, I mean, obviously we talked about that, but um, it's, you know, when you write two books a year and you have a bunch of stuff going on, it's, it's tough. But my, my connection to the, the, film was basically I sold the option to one studio it came back to me because they didn't develop it I sold it to Sony they bought it outright and then they um they were going to have the Russo brothers direct it for Sony and so Joe and Anthony Russo had me come out to LA and spend a few days with them as we talked about the story because they wanted to write the screenplay as well Joe Russo wrote the screenplay gave it to me asked me what I thought we talked about it and it was fantastic and then that kind of died on the vine for a few years because they were making Endgame and Infinity War and, and you know, they, they, they were staying busy. I was staying busy. And then it just came around to where Netflix um, acquired it. And the Russos were like, hey, we want to direct it. You know, we want this script. They did some more rewrites on the scripts and they got the actors involved. So I, I have no day to day. I'm not a producer on, on it. Um, I, I don't think I want to be. I'm actually I have, armored, as you said, was in, is in Hollywood as well. And I, I am set up to be a producer on that. And it's probably to like consult about the script mm-hmm. mostly. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's really, really cool. I would have loved to have been on set some, but, you know, with COVID and with two books and everything else, it, it was just not, you know, really feasible for that to happen. Um, they filmed in, they filmed in LA, but they also filmed in Czech Republic and in Paris or outside of Paris. Um, so, you know, I'm really happy about it, but, you know, I'm the, the writer of the books. <laughs> And that's probably not going to change. And, and um, you know, and then the the film is going to be its own thing. And I can't wait to see it. But I don't like walk around going, you know, like that's, you know, it's like my they found out what I wanted to the 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 hundred thousand words. That is the gray man novel. That's my opinion yeah. about the story. So they took that and then, you know, they made changes here and there. But, you know, I'm. I'm happy with all their changes. And I, I know I'm in really good hands with them because oh, yeah. they've always been, they've always shot straight with me. Stuff they told me that was going to happen in the past is exactly how it happened, you know? So, um, you know, I love those guys. Yeah, no, that's so, that's so awesome. And I think about you in the, in this context because Terminalist comes out, but I've been so heavily involved with it. I can't, if it's awful, I can't be like, oh yeah, Hollywood messed that up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, whereas yours yeah, is but awful. It be, but it won't be awful. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it, neither of them are going to be no, awful. No, they're both going to be I good. Read, yeah, I, I read the shooting script to Gray Man before it was filmed, so I'm, I have like lots of confidence in, you know, because the cast is good and the script is good. So I don't know how you messed that up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure the, the music will be great and all the other stuff. And I'm, I'm sure Terminal List, it's like 
Chris Pratt's not going to work on something for a year of his life or however long, you know, season one took him to do if if it wasn't fantastic. So it's going to be great. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I think, and I think, so uh, when you're, I think yours coming out, people will be like, this is amazing. What else can I watch like this? And then they'll be like, oh, Terminalist is a series. Boom. And if someone's yeah. like a fan of yeah. Terminalist and watches the Terminalist and is like, oh, this is fantastic. I want more of this. Oh, gray man. You know, so I think they're like self-supporting yeah. rather than competitive in nature is uh, is how I, I, I'm actually pretty sure of that. Yeah, I'm sure of it too. And it and it's it's bigger than you and me. Like if they like, if they like the film or they like the series, they're going to like uh, Brad Taylor, Brad Thor, uh, you know, Vince Flynn, Greg Hurwitz, uh, you know, yeah. Simon Gervais, you know, like 50 other authors. Um, hopefully, the you know, a rising tide will lift all the boats because, you know, I've always said when people are like, oh, you guys all seem to support each other. And it, it's like, well, we support each other because we're friends and because we're lonely, because we're <laughs> writing all the time. And it's like, wow, this person understands my world a little bit. But we also support each other because it's like, if somebody if somebody buys the new Jack Carr book and they love it, they're not going to go, okay, well, I'm not going to read a Gray Man book because, yeah. you know, I'm going to wait for the Jack Carr's book next right. year. It's like if if they if they enjoy the experience of, of reading that kind of a novel, they're going to seek out other novels. That's what you did, I'm sure, and that's what I did yep. when when I was a reader. When I discovered Tom Clancy, I was like, "Who else does this? Frederick Forsyth, Nelson the Mill, Jean Le Carre, um, Ralph Peters, all these guys." Mm-hmm. And I just went, I just voraciously went. And so we we want people to enjoy doing this, yeah. you know, spending their time with a nose in in, in a book uh, of this type, and it's terrific when when you know you get a series uh, you know it it's good for me like yeah. it's, i'm happy because we're friends and and it, i'm happy because it'll be a really damn cool to watch it um because you know i enjoyed the book but i'm also happy because it's like yeah it's, it's good for the genre yeah you know? no no i think so and it's interesting today though let's say uh you know tom clancy's hunt for red october finally gets made into a movie years later mm-hmm. and now people watch it and either they they love it or they don't and they have a choice as to whether they're going to take yeah. that book and they're going to be like, oh, that was different. That was different. That was different. Yeah. And then they'd be miserable yeah. just on their own. And then they'd go home and just, yeah. leave, you know, that's just how they live their life. That's fine. But today you could do that and then let everyone know on social media, you yeah. know? So it's like, yeah. ah. so it's a little, it's, it's interesting. Um, so it's the same thing. People get to choose. Like there are definitely differences in uh, the Terminalist book versus the series. Uh, right. And if you go into right. it looking at like, nope, nope, oh, nope. And you, you can... Yeah you have to enjoy it for, for what it is. And, uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you get to choose that as the viewer. Yeah. yeah I I'm, I'm battling with that myself because I do see people on social media that are like, they better not change this. Or I can't believe this character is playing, yeah. you know, that, uh, I have a, an actor who's I think 33 years old playing a character in the book who's 65 mm-hmm. years old. Like, guess what? Who cares? Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, change anything you know story-wise and actually it, it adds like a richness to the story that i didn't think of um so it it's amazing to me that people can be so pedantic of it I mean, you know but you re- you respect it too right because it's like i there's right there's things i've written you know that i've read that i love so much that i would want to see it exactly rendered on screen exactly as it's written on the page but as I say, like the directors and the writers and the actors and the cinematographers and the art people, they're all artists as mm-hmm. well. And it's not just me. And it's not they're not engineers whose job it is to, you know, replicate a page of 
a, a paperback novel and put it on the screen exactly the same. They're they're putting their own spin on it. The the, the opening of the Gray Man, I wrote it in two thousand seven, takes place in Iraq, and you know there's a down Chinook helicopter with U.S. soldiers in it. Well, guess what? The movie that's coming out in twenty twenty two, it's it opens a different way, <laughs> and that makes perfect sense to me. It's going to annoy some people, yeah. and and I can't I can't help those people. Um, right. I hope they just enjoy it for what it is, and I feel like. It, it's as faithful an adaptation to the novel as anyone ever had a you know a right to hope for. Yeah. It's, it's closer closer to the novel than I had any right to hope for. So I'm happy. Oh yeah, no, very similar here. And for Antoine and Chris, they wanted hey, they wanted to keep the, the you know the darkness, the grittiness, the the the, the primal mm-hmm. nature of it, the violence. Like that's what they wanted to keep. Yeah. Um, with uh, with yeah. a story that uh, is inspired by, adapted from, uh, you know, a lot of that. But of course, there's going to yeah. be changes. You're telling yeah. a story visually not on a written page. Right. So it's going to be, you know, it's, right. it's going to be different. So, um, it's, uh, yeah. that's just, that's just how it goes. <laughs> when you're, when you're comfortable, the director understands the heart of your yeah. character and the heart of your story, then you, you put it in their hands, you know, unless you're a director too. And unless you've got, you know, $50 million to make the film and, and all that sort of stuff, you know, you, you at some point you put it in their hands, yeah. but it, it's a wonderful thing when you, you're like, Oh my God, you know, like the Russo brothers, I used to joke. I'm like, they like, they like my book more than I do, which is really putting it in very capable hands. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I, there were things where I was like, you probably want to change this. And they're like, no, I think we like it like that. Nice. So I, that's terrific. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. trust there. You know, there was uh, a couple offers mm-hmm. on the table before the book came out and I went with, with Chris mm-hmm. because of that, that trust factor. Um, and I think there's a yeah. lot of that when you're, especially that a lot of these loopholes, um, that have been closed to authors over the years. Like, uh, I remember the yeah. story and I need to ask David Morell if it's true or not, but with first blood, when that was optioned, um, fairly, you know, right out of the gate, I think, but his agent, I remember it's 1972. And if, for those who have mm-hmm. read first blood, they know it's very different than the movie. Both are fantastic. Right. But I remember the story and I need to ask him if this is true or not, that his agent was like, Hey, keep the merchandise rights. And he was like, what? This is a story mm-hmm. of a you know, Vietnam veteran, PTSD, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, who's merchandise rights? Yeah. What? And they held them. Yeah. And then, of course, the first movie comes out. Okay. Then the second movie yeah. comes out in 1985, Rainbow <laughs> Blood Part Two. And yeah. then we have lunchboxes yeah. and thermoses and video games and uh, cartoon yeah. and posters and action figures yeah. and, and all that sort of a thing. So uh, I think they kind of close those off over the years to authors, mm-hmm. especially if you're mm-hmm. uh just brand new and you're not negotiating from a position right. of strength. Uh, like I was exactly, <laughs> you know, like I, you know, I haven't yeah. sold one book yet. No one knows who I am. I'm not coming from politics. I'm not coming from sports. There's no following. Uh, yeah. I don't even have a social media account, whatever. Uh, and, and you're yeah. not negotiating from a position of strength in that point until you get to be right. like, uh, you know, at book 20 or something like that. And then someone wants it. Now exactly. you're selling a whole universe. Maybe you're a little more right, financially right. secure anyway. So you can, you yeah. more options. It's- the average fan doesn't get that. And I've had so many people saying, you, you better not let them change this or, Hey, why don't you use this actor or something like that? And you're like, well, I, you know, I don't blame them because I didn't know how any of it right. worked before this became a part of my life. So, but it's just like, yeah, that's, you know, unless you're John Grisham or Stephen King, you're probably not the one calling all the shots yep. uh, as far as like what goes in the final product. But I'm, I'm fine with that. Like I said, I'm, I write the books and they make the movies and that's the way it should be. Yeah, no, that, that's it. You're exactly right. And, uh, uh, but it was fun to be involved and fun for them to want me to be involved rather than just like, yeah. uh, cause they saw the contributions that, that I could make. And then that I did make right. throughout the process. 
rather than saying you yeah. ruined my vision. I would never have had that happen. Right. Like, no, Hey, we're working together yeah. on this. We want to make, you know, it- the, those guys are out there. <laughs> those, those writers are out there yes. and, 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 uh, and I'm sure they give a bad name. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, yes. You know, some, there's probably directors that want to keep an arm's length away from the <laughs> from the author because of because of bad experiences. But yeah, no, I think we're in the same boat. Yeah, no, I got to hear some of those stories from uh, you know being on being on set with everybody and being in those in those rooms. But uh, so next project wise, so you have you're working on the, the next Gray Man. Um, there's there's yeah. probably I mean there are so many things that you could do. Um, what are you prioritizing next as far as next projects? And, uh, and then are there any out there that you want to do that are just on the list somewhere mm-hmm. that you're like, eventually I'll get to that. So, so what's next. Yeah. And then what are some that are like out there? I don't know, five years out that you're like someday mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the, the fantasy book that you're going to work on someday. Um, I, uh, am going to finish or write, uh, the, the 12th gray man. And then I've got to, uh, then armor comes out in July and then I'm going to write, uh, the second red metal with my co-author, uh, Rip Rawlings. And we're gonna do some location research, hopefully in, uh, in Japan and Taiwan um, in the summer, or late spring or, or summer. And then uh, after that, I'm gonna write the second in the Armored series. Uh, I got a two book deal for it. And so there, there's gonna be a second in that. And, you know, Gray Man 13 will be in there. But so I, I really sort of know the next six books I'm gonna write, but the seventh book hopefully mm-hmm. is, is an idea I have for a, a a story it's called Romeo running and it's about a um is it, there's a really no good way to say it a, a male seduction artist who works for the CIA and it's a thriller but it's a kind of a different kind of a hero he's uh he's a Romeo so they have uh Marcus Wolf who was the head of the uh the Stasi the East German secret police used men to kind of like seduce secretaries in West Germany you know that had were in positions of power and then the men kind of did that and so it's a it's a play on that, but in, on a much larger scale, where there's an American that's involved with that, and um, and turns out that his wife was murdered by people on the inside. So, it's, I'm probably talking about it too much, but it's it's something I've been like really passionate about for a long time, and uh, one of these days I'm going to do it. It's a slightly different than my genre, but it's also a, a cool spy story. Nice. So it's a, yeah, so a standalone, possibly a new series. Yeah. It's out there after these after yeah. this next group of novels that you're working yeah. on. It's the, it's the next one in line. Yeah. Awesome, man. I love it. Somewhere, somewhere in the future. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. But this one, bam, Sierra six is out there. And for anybody that finds it now, they're going to go back and they're going to get gray man and they're going to read this whole series. Um, because yeah. this is that good. All of them are that good. They're all fantastic. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm just super fired up that, uh, that you're crushing it and everything that you do, that you're such okay. an inspiration to me and everybody else out there. And we got put in touch I think right after the first book came out, right around that time anyway, um, through James Yeager. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was actually before your book came out, but I, I'd been hearing about your book for, for quite a while. So, uh, you know, I, I knew the name before we were connected via a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And you went out there to train with him, um, and, uh, tactical response and you post, yeah. you post pictures of that every now and again, and he has uh, some health issues right now. And I know he, he posted yeah. a video on, uh, on YouTube about it saying he didn't want anyone's thoughts and prayers, but, uh, uh, anybody listening out there, feel free to throw some, uh, some thoughts and prayers, James Yeager's way. Yeah. I love that guy. He's, yeah. he, he's a, he's a really good, he's a good human being. Yeah, huge yeah. heart, huge heart. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Awesome. Dude. Well, thank you so much for spending all this time. And what are you going to BoucherCon this year or Thriller Fest or any of those things? Uh, what- I'm, I'm going to any, any place that will let me come. I'm, I'm going this year. I'm going to go to Thriller Fest and 
and VoucherCon this year. And I'm, I'm excited to, you know, it's, it seems, uh, you know, speculative because you know, I think we got close to coming, going, mm-hmm. having Thriller Fest last year and then they, they shut it down. But my intention is to be, if it, if it's, if it's up, I'm there. Awesome. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that and hanging out with you. Hopefully you'll be there. Uh, I think this one, there was something that was, uh, oh yeah, the book was coming out. <laughs> That's right. So I was going to be on book tour during, <laughs> I think the time I have to go back and look now because the, the yeah. time has shifted a little yeah. bit. Um, but I have to yeah, go back yeah. and check, but I think there were conflicts this year, but then not for the next mm. year. So the calendar fills up so okay. far in advance these, these days, but I think for the next year right. it is, it is clear. But, uh, if I don't see it, one of those, I hope we can link up at some point soon. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. You're the last we did an event together right before all the shutdowns happened uh yeah that that's crazy. right two years ago uh-huh. that was two years ago and we were talking about it because it was happening it was starting mm-hmm. then and we're kind of like yeah is this gonna be a big deal whatever and uh and then the the world shut down a few weeks later yep. that's exactly right and was it was it the end of february because we linked up at poison pen yeah. for the start of that that the book in 2020 and I think, mm-hmm. and then we, and then we went to Florida for the, for the book festival. And yeah. that was the one right. that was super dicey. Like that was, I was getting on the plane and I remember a doctor friend yeah. called me and it's like, turn around and I'm like walking down onto the thing. I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was when they were saying this is going to be bad, but it was before they were saying, we're going to try and lock down, you know, the world or, or whatever. It's like, I, I still couldn't have foreseen that you know, a week before it happened, I yeah. couldn't have seen it. So yeah, you, you and I were down there shaking hands yep. and that was crazy. Hugging people. Yeah. And, yeah. But it was, yeah. In a, but people yeah. were talking, a couple authors didn't come. I remember, um, yeah. but everybody was yeah. there. There was no masks yet. Um, we were going to bars right. still right. to dinner, like all that sort of yeah. thing. And then really like days later, boom, mm-hmm. the world really changed, Absolutely. which is crazy. Well, I'm, I'm hoping we can link up at, uh, you know, one of these events or just, uh, you know, or without an event, uh, one of these days soon and, uh, and, and yeah. have some dinner and hang out for a little bit and, uh, and catch up. Uh, but this is, that's why I love the yeah. podcast is because it gave us an excuse to do this, you know, without it, we wouldn't have uh, yeah. probably caught up this way. We would, we would roughly be, we would roughly be talking about the exact same thing. So if you and I were sitting there having dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we get to record it and hopefully yeah. let some more people know that they can get Sierra six yeah. and check at all the other things you have going on with armored that came out in december right december audio audible came out and then this summer yeah the mm-hmm. uh the uh the, the hardcover will come out so the novel man i'm just so Correct. excited everything that's happening and i can't wait for for gray man to watch that to see what they did with it on netflix i know it's going to be fantastic and uh man thank you so much for uh for jumping on jack I'm, I'm really happy for how things are going for you too as well and i cannot wait to watch the terminal list um that's going to be a a fun party around my house watching that. Awesome. So congratulations to you too. And have, thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. You take care. Talk soon. Just want to take a moment and thank Navy Federal Credit Union for sponsoring the podcast and for being a part of my journey throughout the military and today. Right there. That's my Navy Federal Q card that I got in 1996, right after boot camp. So for those 20 years I was in the military. Navy Federal was right there with me. What I found out recently is that you do not have to be a member of the military to go to NavyFederal.org, check it out, and become a member. So check it out, NavyFederal.org. Thank you guys so much again for sponsoring the podcast and for taking such good care of me and my family over the last 20 years in the military and today. I want to talk to you for a second about a company called 10,000. Maybe I'm introducing you to this company. Maybe you've heard about them before, but I believe that they have successfully developed the world's most comfortable workout short. And I don't say that lightly. I've 
tried out a lot of shorts in my time, both before the military in the SEAL teams and now afterward. And I don't think I can ever wear another workout short. These guys are awesome. Uh, the tactical short, the inter interval short, uh, definitely check them out. 10,000.cc. And not only do they have awesome shorts and they have uh, long pants and they have shirts like this one as well. See that? 10,000. Awesome. But the website it, that'll inspire you just to get going regardless, but it's broken down in a way that makes sense. It's fun to explore. There's not a gazillion options on there. They've broken it down to the essentials and check it out. 10,000.cc. And there's even like winter kits, high intensity workout kits. So you're not picking and choosing a bunch of different things. If you want winter workout, you want high intensity training, whatever it is, you click on that, bam, and they have some suggestions there for you. Very well thought out, super easy to navigate. So highly recommend checking out 10,000, 10,000.cc. I want to read a little bit about them here. The tactical short, which is this one right here. Boom, the green ones. Uh, and I know I've been doing a lot more typing recently than, uh, than I've been doing working out. So I can tell you, even if you're an author, that you can type in these and get a 120,000 word book done just like you can go outside and do a high intensity workout. So right here, tactical short over here is the interval short right here. These are the, they have a bunch of shirts, a bunch of other things on there as well. But the tactical short short was developed and tested with over 50 special operations members who put it to the test by rucking, swimming, lifting all around, beating it up, producing the Holy grail of tough workout shorts. That is true. These things are awesome. The interval short is the most versatile style. Perfect for gym days, spinning short runs, high intensity training, and backyard workouts. They both have great features like permanent anti-odor protection, an optional liner that is very comfortable and prevents chafing, four-way stretch, breathable and lightweight shell fabric. And this is what I love also about 10,000. They believe in being better than yesterday. And I love that because I want each of my novels to be better than the next one. I want every chapter to be better than the earlier one. I want to be a better human each and every day going forward. So I love that being better than yesterday is their motto. A stoic dedication to continuous improvement, not overnight success. They're putting in the work. I love it. They have a team of over 200 athletes that test the gear and ensure the perfect design, fabric, trims, and fit, and free shipping and free returns and a lifetime guarantee. So 10,000 is offering Danger Close listeners 15% off your purchase, go to 10,000.cc and enter the code DANGERCLOSE15. Receive 15% off your purchase. That's 10,000.cc and enter the code DANGERCLOSE15 for 15% off. Trust me, you will thank me. Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the Danger Close podcast. So this watch right here, Vertex Watch, company. So go to Vertex Watches, just type that in your search bar. It'll pop up. They're a company out of UK with an amazing history. I found out about them through my buddy, Dean Stott, who has been on the podcast before has a book called Relentless, former SBS guy, incredible, incredible person, and also incredibly kind. Um, but uh, amazing, amazing book. Check out the podcast, get the book. But uh, Vertex Watches right here, they sent me this and uh, it is awesome. I love watches that have a rich history, especially when they're connected to the military. So uh, check out Vertex Watches, go check that out. And uh, yeah, this thing, you can definitely tell that it is a classic. And, uh, and once again, check them out. Came in this sweet box right here, Vertex. Thank you guys so much. And what a cool thing to do to continue this legacy uh, and pay homage to uh, the past at the same time. So just 
Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. Uh, what else do I have here? So this is Naked Sauce right here. My buddy Trevor's new company. And uh, this is the pasta sauce. But I would be showing you the uh, salsa. But I crushed all the salsa that he sent me. So uh, <laughs> Trevor, thank you so much. Um, and we've been using these things. And they're awesome. So Naked, uh, naked Infusions right here. Very cool. And yeah, I love that. Love that salsa. So that is that. Black Rifle Coffee Company, BAM, exclusive coffee subscription club. If you are not a member, I highly recommend it. And what do we have here? Oh my goodness, look at that. I did notice this, and I think this is new. I'm not sure. Maybe I just didn't notice it before, if it was at the bottom of the box or not. But it talks about the coffee. Uh, it talks about exactly where it's from, the tasting notes, all that stuff, and then tells you how to prepare it, whether it's a uh, uh, espresso press, Chemex, however you're going to gonna prepare it. It gives you some instructions there as well. So that is very cool. And you get the sticker. And what is that sticker of, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Because this one right here, and I think Chris Hunt out there, laissez-faire on Instagram, um, he might've had something to do with his artwork. I'm not sure, but this is Black Rifle Coffee Company's Beaver Destroyer. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> they're always going to do something uh, awesome and fun, but at the base, the coffee is amazing because you can't do anything in life as far as a business goes without having that base product. All the marketing and everything else doesn't mean anything unless that base product is the best that can possibly be. And uh, that's why these guys are so successful because that base product, the coffee is awesome. So uh, Beaver Destroyer it is. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what else? Ball and Buck, my friend, Mark Bowman. Awesome. Thank you. Ball and Buck right there. Yep. Awesome. Love their stuff. I've been a huge fan for years. And Mark just sent me this, uh, this Upland jacket. So this is the new one, the 2.0. I have the uh, the earlier edition, uh, the different color. Actually, I'm wearing it in the artwork for the uh, the cover art for this podcast. Um, but this is the OD green one. And man, this thing is awesome. I put this on last night and this thing is going to be a constant companion. So uh, check out Ball and Buck. Just type that into the search bar. It'll pop up. They're doing awesome things and uh, make some incredible gear clothing and do some really cool collaborations as well. So I think that is it for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. You can find out more about Mark Graney at markgraneybooks.com and you can get Sierra 6, which is out right now. Check out Armored in an Audible original and then check that out this summer as well. You can find me at officialjackcar.com. You can go to jackcarusa.com for the merch and on the social channels at jackcarusa. My next novel, In the Blood, it's shelves on May 17th. That's a change. It was coming on May 31st. It's now coming May 17th, coming in hot early. And it is available in all formats for pre-order now. Thank you for tuning in. Sincerely appreciated. Take care out there. Be safe. Stay strong. Keep fighting.
In case you missed it, on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original, Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard. Set aside all the labels. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, well, because I've been getting asked this a lot. Like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive or are you conservative? What are box you... do you fit in? Exactly, Which box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy I'm, or right, right. An How, uh, Like, what filter should I use when I'm looking at you? And, like, I've always been an independent-minded person. Mm-hmm. Always. Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts.